and welcome to Forgiven, a podcast to help inspire and empower Christians to live a more authentic life. In today's episode, we answer the question of what is communion? Welcome everybody to Forgiven uh, Podcast. I'm not too sure which episode we're on. I think we're- this is probably 11. All right, episode number 11, and we've been trying to do a number of things uh, just to help uh, spur growth in faith. And uh, it, we have a whole bunch of different types of people who listen to the podcast, and we want to try and honor all of those who do. You know, the hope, first of all, is to talk to those people who are at the beginning stages of faith, maybe even just about to accept Jesus, or or maybe you just have newly accepted Jesus. You just started coming to church, and, uh, and you're just trying to figure things out. And sometimes we don't have enough time to explain things on Sundays, or sometimes we just do things and expect people to understand them, right? Absolutely. And so uh, whether you have been a Christian here for like 60 years or whether you've just kind of been a Christian for six days, we want to try and move you along. The, the whole th- hope for us is to grow us slowly along the way, help us a little bit at a time to draw closer to Jesus, to be molded into his image is what kind of we use in the Christian world, that's kind of like a little Christian Christian cliche, and I want to try to not get into the cliches. The we want to we yeah. want to inspire you, and we want to empower you. That, yeah. That's that's the goal. Like I'm wishing that when I was a young person, young person, um, I would have not had to learn perhaps the hard way certain things. I just went. There are certain things that I was in my faith a number of years, and I thought I kind of knew what it was about, and I didn't because I never really had the teaching or the opportunity to hear. And so, we most of the time have a uh, a guest online and uh, and as we're going on in a podcast i think we're like we're like kind of climbing up the popularity circle are we not can you kind of give so, us some details yeah. so um on apple podcasts alone in the religion and spirituality category which i think is one of their top five most popular categories we're in the top 150 i think we're 139th now i think we moved up one rank since i last checked so that means in all of Canada, out of the thousands of podcasts that are out there, we're in the top 150, which is like pretty impressive for a podcast that only has nine, 10 episodes out and has only been on Apple Podcasts for like a month because, yeah. We're on fire. That's and, what we're saying. But you know what this, the other thing is, um, I don't know, I would get too much pride if we ended up getting much higher than that. But I'm glad we have the opportunity. This has been a, a great experience for me, and I'm hoping that it has been a great experience for everyone here. Share it as much as you possibly can, and it is great if we can minister to 10 people. It is even better if we can can minister to um, a, thousand a thousand people. And if we have a thousand listeners, I will be the same person, I promise. Same I here. can't say anything for, for Logan. I'm hoping that's the same <laughs> thing. You go. You guys can't see it, but my head just swelled up four yeah. sizes. I, really, the, the hope... <laughs> The hope is we're wanting to do the best that we can uh, to bring people along in the faith in a way which is authentic. Yeah. That is kind of where our core value in this whole thing is. And so uh, we don't have a guest on this time. We regularly do because there's lots of topics where there are people who have different expertise than we do. Yes. Um, but we do have segments occasionally, which is which is basically uh, what we call what is series or what we could call as the importance of series. Yeah. And this is kind of an important thing because there are certain things that happen we talk about in church and we practice in church and many of us don't really know exactly or we have a limited knowledge of yeah. what we don't. We just kind of go along. Yeah. You know, it's like it's like when everybody's laughing at a joke and we kind of laugh at the joke as well and though we don't really get it. Yeah, exactly. I do that a lot. That so happens do I. to me a lot. So I feel it just 
Um, and if you want to get caught up on the what is series, the first one we did is what is prayer. Um, and we'll probably have a, we're definitely going to have a part two coming to that with a guest, but we're just going to take some core things that happen in the church that we do on a regular Sunday all the time. And we're going to tell you what it is and why we do it. And the reason I, I believe that this is important because many times, um, Christians or fellow uh, followers of Jesus tend to through our ignorance or whatever, we switch the price tags on certain things. There are certain things that we deem to be of high value, which when we think about it, may not be as high a value in God's eyes as yeah. what we might think. And there are certain things that we don't think is important, but in in God's eyes are extremely important. And this is why it would be important to talk about issues like uh, what we're going to be talking about today. And the topic that we're talking about today is... Communion. Communion or... The Lord's Supper. Now, in in different different um, denominations, uh, you might they might call it the Eucharist, yeah. and that, and I'm sure that there's a difference in there. Has been, I don't think, of all the things that are debated in in Christian faith, and I'm talking about like Everything. not just the evangelical church. I'm just talking about Christianity in in general. One of the most debated has been this thing, which is called communion. Yes, and and when that happens, I often think. Uh, Satan will try to confuse some of the things that are most important to yes. God. So it is an important it is an important thing. So what we want to do, because there are so many differing views of communion, is we wanted to try and um, define our terms and and kind of get us all on the same same wavelength as what yes. we're talking about. So so Logan, as you kind of have made a few notes together, what what do you say? is uh, in your mind, or you basically as evangelical church's mind, what is communion? So simply put, communion is an act of remembrance of Christ's sacrificial dying action on the cross. That is, at its core, exactly what communion is. Um, basically, we see it in the story of the Last Supper. That's where it is all comes from. It's the idea that Jesus shares one last meal with his disciples, and in it, he uses it as a lesson to teach us and them a remembering act of him. So we that's 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 what it is. Um, Miriam Webster actually, and I was surprised that they defined it like this because um, I was always told not to use that dictionary. But here we are. <laughs> um, it is a Christian sacrament which. Uh, consecrated bread and wine are consumed as memorials of Christ's death or as symbols for the realization of the spiritual union between Christ and the communication as the body and blood of Christ. So there's a lot of big fancy words in there. Basically, it's saying what I said. It's, yeah. it, it's, it's a remembering action that we do to remember Christ's dying action on the cross yeah. for us. And I know that there's reference in Luke and there's a reference, I believe, in Mark. Uh, Matthew chapter 26, starting at verse 26, I think is where it is mentioned yep. in then, Matthew's gospel. But uh, particularly, I know a lot of pastors who, when they do uh, have communion, they refer to 1 Corinthians chapter 11. 1 Corinthians chapter 10 and 11 are really core when we begin to get into the ins and outs, and I, and I think it's because when Paul begins to speak about communion in uh, in First Corinthians 10 and 11, they're already starting to have some problems. Yeah. And he's addressing those problems, and he's saying this is what it is all about. And that's kind of why I think, I think that uh, that reference is in, important. And well, so it's it, contextually, too, it's years after it's happened. So 
hypothetically, Christians have practiced this already. Mm-hmm. So for Paul to come, he's almost pretending to be us. Like we can almost pretend to be Paul in that scenario because when you read Matthew, Mark, and Luke's depictions of it, they were there. So they got to see it. So we're getting a very firsthand account of what it should be like. It's firsthand, first time. Yeah. Um, whereas Paul wasn't there. So he's actually giving like a real world depiction of like what it should be, not something that, you know, they saw for the first time. So it, it's very unique in that regard. So, yeah. And so, and so there are elements which are involved with that. And, uh, they use the elements that, that Jesus uses at the particular time when there was a particular meal that was representative of that time. And uh, it, in, it incorporated one, which would be the bread. Bread. Uh, a lot of people said it has to be unleavened bread. I don't know if that is actually the case. The scriptures don't actually say it had to Pe- be. People say it needed to be unleavened bread because they were Jews, and that's because it was near Passover. So that there's the reasoning behind it. But histor- like today, it, I don't. it doesn't matter. No. The bread, the vessel in which you use doesn't really matter, I think. I think, much. I think as well is there is the thing which is called the wine or for us, basically, we use, we use grape juice. Mm-hmm. And I would imagine over the last two years, if, as we've gone through a different, um, I remember, like, I didn't grow up in a church, but I remember instances in being in communions where kind of everyone had a piece of bread and we kind of ripped the bread apart yeah. and everyone drank from the same from the same cup and that uh with our recent health scare has kind of limited that a bit we kind of like to have our own our own wafer or our own bread or whatever it is and our own drink just for just for the sake of the safety of everybody type of thing and when we do that it is important because it commemorates jesus had some important things to say uh, there's a reason there's a reason sometimes the last things that that a person does are extremely important and one of the last things that Jesus did was communion and the importance of the sacrament now we the term sacrament is kind of that religious word that, that may scare a few people over there but churches um, observe what are called sacraments and in the evangelical church and the Pentecostal church which we are a part of uh, there are two sacraments, and uh, we choose those two sacraments because it is instructed that Jesus specifically says, do this. Do these two things. Yeah, and one was being baptized, and the other one is to practice and commemorate communion. Yep. Now, there are other more uh, uh, liturgical um, denominations that will practice more than two. They will practice, I think, up to six. six. In that. But we want to concentrate on the two, and, per- and in particular today, that a communion and it is important for a number of reasons it's important because first of all jesus told us to do it right and uh, so as we as we get going forward we want to try and ask ourselves well why is something like this so important yeah what was what was jesus actually getting to right and and as you as you ponder that and and uh, we come from similar backgrounds and that, and we both went to uh, Bible college from the same fellowship and things like that. So we probably have simil- been similarly taught. But as you enter communion, what are, what are the things that you think um, are most important to observe? <clears throat> so for me, uh, I did grow up liturgical. I grew up Anglican, so communion is very special. Uh, to me, uh, both traditionally, but even now, uh, and one of the things that I love about communion is the, it's the community aspect of it. And that's what really reinforces the weight of 
like of communion is that this is a room full of people all sharing in the same remembering act. And to me, it keeps me accountable in that regard. When I look around and see all these people, you know, solemnly thinking about this person that had died for them, the most horrible and painful death so that we can live free today. Uh, and for me, that is like a big, real big reinforcement is like the community aspect of communion that like really helps me recognize the weight of it. So when you, when, when Jesus did the first communion, you are feeling that one of the most important things that he wanted to, to allow people to know is that we need to do this together. Yes. There's the aspect of, of something happens when we publicly or we together think and commemorate something together. There is a, there is a power in that aspect. I would, I would certainly agree. I think that there's, there's aspects of that. And as you read first uh, Corinthians chapter 11, you will find that that was an important thing. As a matter of fact, that's where they went wrong yes. in a lot of respects. And, and it was talking about, um, and I'll just add this before I get into that is that it commemorates the most important thing that we have in terms of our faith. It observes the fact that God, the creator of the world, came in human form and laid down his life and shed his blood so that our sins could be uh, atoned for, could yes. be paid for. And, and in the way we go about as, as people, we forget. And, and perhaps Jesus was saying, you can never ever forget or bend or, or change the importance of this. You know, there could be some things that you might forget, but do not forget this because this is the thing which causes the redemption of your soul. And if you ever got away from this, if you ever forgot about the cross, if you ever forgot about, about uh, the price that I paid for you, then all of a sudden you begin to substitute true salvation for other things. And so uh, I think that that to me is why is amongst the most important reasons why communion is, is of utmost importance. So any other, any other things that you observe about communion that you think, well, this is important. And if you're a person who's very new to the faith, uh, something you'd say, this is important. This is the reason why. Uh, well, I mean, maybe we can touch on it later, but I would also say if you are, if you are new to your church and you have a tradition of doing communion a certain way, um, the whole reason we, I had a lovely conversation with somebody from our church yesterday about this topic and they come from like a, a very different, like they come from a different country where they do communion very differently. Uh, and not to say that it's different in a bad way. It, it's just different values behind it. Yeah. Um, and they put a lot of weight into it. And for, for them, they don't necessarily take part in communion here all that much. Not because we do it poorly or wrongly or anything like that, but because the way that they have this remembering act is just what they've grown up doing. Um, so I would also say like, it's okay to not partake in communion. It's not required. It's not required for your salvation, but it certainly no. is something which Jesus deems is important. Yes, exactly. It's not, like, it's not like you, it's not like you say, uh, I, I'm not going to do it. It's not really important No, because it is. It's very important. Right? It's important for your health in, in terms of your spiritual health. It, it keeps you, it keeps you in the right frame. It allows there to be growth that takes place in your life. I find something that is important about communion, and many times people have not does not really observed this. He says, do this in remembrance of me. 
And so we are required to look back, to remember, and understand the depths of of what had been taken, the, the depth and the importance of the sacrifice that Christ had paid for us. But then as you read the story of communion, um, it says, when, when you have done this, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. So there's this futuristic look at the same time. So I'm looking backwards, remembering, and I'm looking forward to it. So there's an element of the fact of remembering him, but also the fact of a hope that we have the fact that what he had done brings us to a level of life. Yes. And I think that that might be one of the things that we forget hmm. uh, when it comes to communion. The other thing I find about communion, and it, and it talks about this and more about it in 1 Corinthians chapter 11 than it does in, uh, in the gospel renditions of communion or the Lord's Supper, is the fact that it talks really clearly in 1 Corinthians chapter 11 about examining yourself. Yes. It talks about the aspect of taking it in a worthy manner or the danger of, of taking it in an unworthy, unworthy manner. And it goes into the fact that if you take it in an unworthy manner, that there can be dire circumstances to your health. It was even talking about the fact that some have fallen asleep, which means that you know, people have died. There, was, there have been consequences to taking it in an unworthy manner. Now, hopefully that doesn't scare anybody from taking communion. Well, if I don't do it right, I'm going to die. I imagine I need to put that in there because sometimes people will take things from the podcast and that, well, the pastor said I'm going to die if I do it in the wrong way. No, it's not what I'm saying. I'm just saying it is important for that manner. Right, yeah. and what and what Paul is saying there, he's not necessarily saying that if you do this, you're going to die. It's he's being hyperbolic. He's using hyperbole to to add to the severity and the weight of communion. It's the same thing of like when somebody stubs their toe and says it's the worst pain they felt in the world. Like, no, it's not the worst pain you felt yeah. in the world, but you're using that as a way to express yeah. the severity of the action. Yeah. Like it, communion, uh, the Lord's Supper. The intention is celebration. Yes. The intention of communion is to celebrate. We celebrate the Lord's death until he comes, which yeah. in that which may sound a little bit morbid, but it is it is why God died. It is the end result of, of that thing. And and so that was that's kind of an important thing to understand. That this isn't this isn't something that oh we kind of need to. You know, what was what was happening? Uh, now in first Corinthians, in the Corinthian church, what was it? What was it that were causing people to to um, to do in an unworthy manner? They were doing it by themselves, right? Yeah. Well, what was taking place? Now, if you recall, and and hopefully, if you have your Bibles and you're kind of in the the podcast, you need to read actually First Corinthians chapter ten, which kind of starts the conversation. You can tell he's warming up to it. He yeah. kind of comes to the crescendo in First Corinthians chapter, chapter eleven. 11. He's saying, and at that at that time, communions at that time were known as love feasts. Like it wasn't yeah. just here's your here's your little well, little drink of, of wine or grape juice and here's your little piece of bread, they had a feast, and he he was addressing a problem that was taking place and that there was a favoritism, there were those people who were wealthier, there were those people who had a higher form of status, right, and they were coming, and they were starting early, and they were at the point and and if you take a look at the scripture there are people com coming and gorging on the food and they were drinking and drinking and they were getting drunk and then other people would come and show up and there would be nothing for them hmm. there was just complete selfishness right 
And it wasn't, it had not become the level of observing, of checking out our lives. And, and that is the other important thing about communion. It is the importance of observing yourself. And, and it is kind of like a, uh, an inventory. Every time you come to communion, it is a time to take an inventory and mm -hmm. say, God, here's, here's my heart. You died for my sin. Am I continuing to live in the way that you want me to live? Is there anything in my life that has gotten in the way? Is there an attitude that has gotten in the way? Is there the secret sin that is creeping in? Is there something where I'm not quite committing a sin? But yeah. I can see myself fading towards that. Mm -hmm. And and so it is a time to examine yourselves and to be aware of that. And at that particular time, during these love feasts, it had gotten out of hand. Yeah, it was, it was a party. It wasn't like a... It, it was a celebration, but not the like more solemn internal celebration. It was a rager. It was a party. Like yeah. they're getting drunk. Yeah. And this is what Jesus says. You need to remember it because we have the tendency to forget or at least go overboard in one regard to another. And so this was, this was kind of the important part of understanding it. And that's why, that's why the Corinthians instance is more, is, is yeah. more of an important aspect to really understand uh, what was taking place in terms of communion. So, like we have kind of discussed, it's, it's about the fellowship. It is about the fact that it's a celebration. It is about the time that we are commemorating the most important thing about our faith. It is about examining ourselves and uh, doing that inventory as as to where we are. And, um, and so that kind of is an idea. Now, having said that, and as a pastor, I have had a number of people who have asked me questions. Yeah. And so we kind of put together this list of questions that we kind of have known have been, been asked of us. And so we thought we would just spend maybe a couple of minutes before we go a little bit deeper into communion yeah. to maybe address them. Yes. And like I said, I was kind of hoping it would have kind of been neat if we had a, a, a call-in section at this time because I know that people have a lot of questions having to do with communion and a lot of misunderstanding that we try and straighten out. Yes. So uh, what are some of our questions that we have? So uh, one of the biggest questions that I uh, have I thought of when I was a young Christian and I know people are thinking of now is, can anyone actually take communion? Can, can, is it available to everybody? Oh, you'll have a, a number of different answers when it comes to that, I would say. Yep. I've been in churches where they say you cannot take communion unless you actually know Jesus. Mm -hmm. the, whole, the whole framework of communion is based on people who know Jesus. But I don't think that there's any damage in a person who um, who comes uh, and is at the beginning stages of faith or haven't really accepted Jesus yet, having observed the same thing that we observe as Christians, yeah. uh, I don't think I don't think that to take to take communion and not know Jesus is not taking communion in an unworthy manner. Some no. people interpret it that way, uh, but that's not really the case. Like again, refer to First Corinthians chapter eleven why they were taking it in an unworthy manner, and it wasn't due to the fact that they didn't know Jesus. Yes. And so um, I always invite any person who is interested in a service. And here's the thing. There are a lot of people who you assume are Christians that aren't. Exactly. And there are a lot of people who you assume are not Christians who are. Yeah. Who am I to say is the ones who are serving Jesus and those people who are not? I allow the opportunity to be a time for God to move. If Jesus tells us that this is important, I realize that the Spirit of God is moving in a powerful way, whether you know Jesus or you don't. And 
for me, I've known people who have given their lives to Christ because of communion. They've been invited to partake in communion. And a lot of times people would use, I've heard pastors use communion as an opportunity to share part of the gospel because that's what we're celebrating. And I've seen people give their life to Christ and share communion together. So for me, I think, yes, anybody is welcome to take communion as long as you're taking it with a serious heart. Communion is the gospel. Yeah. Really is what it is. Exactly. You know, now here's a question. I don't even know if it's on your list of questions. No, I'm, I'm ready. So I have, um, I have had people say, you know what? Um, last night I went out and I was with friends and I really messed up. I did some things that I don't think the Lord was pleased with, you know, and I think it was sin and that, and because that has happened, I don't know if I should take communion. Take it. I, because no matter what it, now, I guess my question is, is it, no, my question is my, my answer is still the same. Take part in communion because you can use that time to look inward and to use that as a catalyst to to look at your decisions about last night. So, yes. The assumption is, based on on that person's argument or thought, is that you actually have to be perfect to take communion. Well, then none of us would take it. And then none of us would take it. Now, having said that, it's the ideal time for us to be repenting of sins. Exactly. Of confessing our faults. And of allowing God to do a work in us, yeah. like I think it's the I the, it is the time where our hearts are most tender when we consider what Christ did for us. Well, God, help me, help me in this area of my life. I know this attitude is wrong. I know that these things that I'm that are kind of creeping in are hindering me. So, so it is that it is it works as that time where we're able to allow the Spirit of God to cleanse our hearts in our lives. I just thought that was important. I know I'll have one exception. And I, I and I reserve the right to be wrong. Maybe I should think this through before I start talking about it on a podcast. Um, I find that many times one of the biggest issues that happens where our soul is affected is unforgiveness. Mm. So here you are having a fight with someone and you refuse to forgive that person, right? Or person has ought against you. Like even Jesus says in in the. Uh, the Sermon on the Mount, the, this his big mountain sermon that he has, is says, you know, if 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 you're at the altar and you're about to give a gift and you know that someone has out against you, you leave your gift at the altar and get it right with your brother. Yeah. And those are instances where I think I think people have the most problems, and I think that 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 level of conviction and fear in having communion is a good thing. God's saying, well, I'm I I need to get things right with my brother. So in, in those occasions, I have seen people say, you know what, I'm not going to take communion until I get things right with him, and then I'm going to share in communion. But, and I can certainly understand that, because yeah. unforgiveness is such a uh, soul-affecting oh, it, uh, thing that it's, it's, important to, it's important to understand that. It so. wreaks havoc on, on a person's, like, physically, mentally, spiritually, everything. Like, when you, when you have that malice towards somebody, it... it mm-hmm. It destroys you. Yeah, it, it takes away God's ability to forgive you if you yeah. can't feel it. It's like it is the the antithesis of the gospel. That's yes. what Jesus is trying to do. Hey, hey, sorry, I, I, no, no, I threw good. you off. <laughs> We're on a bunny trail. No, uh, no, no. Any other questions that you kind of came up with? Um, I get yeah. The other a couple of them. Do you have to be a pastor to lead communion? Do, do are you and I because we went to Bible college solely equipped to to lead somebody through communion? 
Well, don't you have your communion license? <laughs> oh, I got to get it renewed. Sorry. Well, don't you have? A, you want me to show you my computer, my <laughs> communion license to, yeah, to yeah, do yeah. it? No, uh, no, I don't think you do. At least I've never read anything in the Bible that indicates that you have to. No, I haven't either. Uh, and and the most people that you have to have to have communion is two. Two. Right. It is, a, and that is that just reinforces the aspect that communion is something to be observed with people yes if you're there and say you know what i don't really like church and i don't really like to be around uh you know people who are christians whatever has happened to you you say well i'm gonna have communion i'm gonna have it by myself i think you've kind of forgotten the whole aspect of communion you have communion with with people i'll just say this even and, and this might seem strange but you can actually have communion online if you meet with five or six people yeah you know the you know it would seem strange I would I would suggest that you spend the time together, but it is certainly possible to observe it together as a group of people online. If say you have um, church friends or whatever mm -hmm. who are in Botswana or in China yep. and whatever, and you just have that opportunity to have fellowship, and there's something special that happens amongst the people, the body of Christ together, when you commemorate together what Jesus did for you. Yeah. And uh, answer my own question. No, you don't have to be a pastor. You don't have to work in a church to lead communion. So I indirectly said yes, but you're just <laughs> for those people who are listening. Yes, the answer is no. Yes, the Kay. answer is no. You do not have to. Uh, when I was a camp, when I was a camp counselor, I led communion to my cabin kids. I didn't know what I was doing, but it was the the speaker that week was like, "Yeah, cabin leaders, you're going to lead communion in your in your mm -hmm. cabins." And he kind of told us at our morning meeting, like, "This is kind of what you do." That was the first time I led communion. I was 17. But I had like the idea of the weight behind it, and I was able to do it. And it was a really powerful moment. And so I'll just say this. It would not be a bad thing for any person who is a passionate follower of Jesus to lead a communion time. No. And when you do that, you begin to understand the weight of it or the privilege of it. That might be the way. It's the way I see it. Yep. The privilege of being able to lead together a truth, the, the truth of the gospel, which kind of leads to maybe another one of the questions is, does it have to happen in church? No, it doesn't have to happen in church. It can happen at any kind of meeting. It can happen in the form of a small group. Uh, and anyway. I, it comes to, to the realization that most meaningful ministry uh, often happens in a small group of people Absolutely. in that more intimate setting. So, yeah. Anything else that we have kind of on the, the docket? Just uh, just if you're going to lead communion, if you've been inspired, please do reach out to us. We'll help you out. Don't do it with a flaky heart. Okay. Like, don't, like let's not be like the people at the love feast and take it for and take it, a, take advantage of it or whatever. It is a very serious thing. And, I, when I was a very young intern and pastor at my first church, I didn't know what, like, I didn't understand the weight of communion. So I sat down on the head pastor and he was going away for the weekend and he's like, Logan, you need to lead communion this service. And I was like, okay, I got it. I've, I've, uh, I can read the Matthew version of it, whatever. And he's like, he's like, okay, yeah, that's great. But he's like, no, you have to like do communion. And I was like, yeah, I can go up there, grab the mic and talk about communion. He's like, no, 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 no. You have to do communion. And he made me prepare every emblem, every little cracker, cup of juice for like 400 people. It took me like three hours to, to, to prepare all of these things together. And I'm not saying you guys have to go and spend, 
you know, four hours preparing communion. You know that they have these little squirty things, you know, that you can see, just pour it in and squirt them see, in. See, the church had one, but I didn't know where it was <laughs> and nobody told me. And I have a feeling it was a form of hazing to get the new guy to go in with the little cup, like with a little cup and pour it all in. I spilt so much on the tray. Yeah, there's, for those of you listening, there is an actual little communion thing. Actually, they have them where you can do a whole plate in one shot. Yeah, we you did know, not have one of those. Technology. There was, and the thing is, there was a guy like you who said, I'm sick and tired of this. I'm going to invent <laughs> a communion cup that puts uh, it in without spilling it. Absolutely. There we go. Um, but I, I tell that story to be a little funny, but also just understand that through the process of like actually preparing it and, and praying over it and learning through, I learned like of the severity and the weight that one holds while like leading communion. Yeah. And, and so I just, I encourage you all to do it, but just understand that there is a weight behind it. And yeah, you can have like in your family together time. If you're, you're listening, you have a family, you have a few kids, you can, you can practice as if you're the father, the head of the house, you yeah. you practice and then have a time where, where the wife uh, practices it. And then even a time when you have kids as they're growing up to have them uh, to take part in that as well, mm-hmm. to learn how to do that. Now, one thing, one thing I know uh, that has been asked of me mm-hmm. has been, well, why don't we have um, communion every single that Sunday? That was going to be my next question. Yeah. So what happens is, and I people said, you know, I think this, does the Bible not say that as often as you meet or something to that? They, they, they kind of, they kind of have a, an illusion that's okay. I, I think it said somewhere or whatever. A friend told me I need to have it all the time, and there are churches that uh, have and practice the Lord's Supper after every service. And if that is the case, then I say, well, that, that's Great. absolutely tremendous. But I think when Jesus was talking about communion, he says you should do it often. It says so, regularly. Yeah, regularly. And so, and so as a church, we have chosen uh, to do it um, once a month. And I think that once a month is good, at least in my thinking, is because if I do it every week, then it becomes secondhand. It becomes of second nature, and it's yes. not as important. Uh, and if I do it once a year, then it's certainly not enough. It's not enough to, to, to do it. But if I, if I do it the first Sunday of every month, then it is enough to do it uh, to make it special yes. on every particular location. So that's, yeah. that is kind of the, uh, the idea philosophy that we have as a church and why we practice yeah. it once a month. But if there are people who practice it more common and, and more uh, regularly, then um, Great. God bless you. Like, yeah, it, for me, uh, yeah, in every church is, every pastor is going to have their own little view on communion. I think that's part of like the special specialty behind it. It's how often do you want to remember it? And, for me, I mean, growing up in a liturgical, uh, traditional, I'll say, liturgical is a word people aren't going to understand. Mm-hmm. Uh, going to Anglican services with my grandparents, like, yeah, they have communion every Sunday. And um, and if it's different than the way you do it, our way is not the right way. Not not There is no right or no. wrong way. And ultimately, is the, it's the significance of, that is behind the event that Jesus was getting at. This is why you do that. This is, and there is a, I think that there's a reason that it was in the form of a meal because it brings about the aspect of fellowship. Yes. And it's something about the symbolic creating something for us to relate to the reality. So that's why I believe that, that those things are important. I think mm-hmm. it's important to have the elements, and I think it's important to have the aspect of fellowship. Those are important aspects of 
of uh, of communion. So, and so he might have communion in another church and say they do it differently and it's not as good as ours. Well, I don't know if that's true. I know that different. there's a lot of people who come and just come and enjoy communion based on everything that it represents. So, And I think if you're going around judging the style of the communion service, your heart's in the wrong place. No. Like not... Sorry to call you out, listeners, but that's kind of where it's at. Like, you shouldn't be focusing on whether we do it every week or not. You should be using that time to focus on the severity of communion. Yeah. That's what it's there for. Yeah. Okay. So, okay, so. One last, can I ask one last question? Absolutely. Um, do you have to use bread and do you have to use grape juice or wine? You know, you're going to get. That's probably the most controversial yeah, of the questions absolutely. that we ask. Because I know someone who says, listen, I use Pepsi in a, in a Snickers bar to to do it. And I think of that, and I almost, there's a part of me that says, that's kind of sacrilegious. Yeah, to me too. To do that. But am I wrong in in them thinking that? Like, I, I don't want to be so religious instead on it. They're saying, well, no, it has to be bread, and it has to be um, grape juice or wine. Can I not do it with someone? Let's not use Pepsi and a Snickers well, bar. No. So the reason that I, the reason that, the reason that I brought this up was one of the most powerful times I ever had during communion was I was just a youth leader and we did a pizza and pop communion. And in that moment, I had never experienced a communion like that before because like I had this like realization of everything that was going on and like being able to like do it and actually seeing the students around me engage in a way that they had never engaged before during communion was like really really special so i understand that now that's a very special moment and do we need to do that every sunday absolutely not um well we're gonna have to talk after this podcast <laughs> no i'm only kidding um you know what happens in instances and in countries where those things may not be available. What happens if you're a prisoner of war and your rations are not grape juice and bread? It might be a piece of steak and, you know, a dirty old cup of water. Mm-hmm. What happens in those cases? How does that work? Now, you know, I, I guess the, you know, the one person in me says, you know, that I think that there's something good about doing things as Jesus had done them. I think that if you have the opportunity to um, to use your bread and your grape juice, it kind of, there is something about that symbolism yes. that represents, the grape, the grape juice represents the blood of Jesus, symbolically, regularly symbolically. Yeah. I, and the bread, you know, represents the broken body of Christ. There's something about the connection in the symbol. So I don't want to just say, oh yeah, use... You know, next week in, in church we're gonna have, we're gonna have Snicker bars and 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 Pepsi. You know what I mean? I I don't know. I don't know if that would be the right way to think because there's something in the actual symbol of the grape juice. There's something in the symbol of the, the bread. But on occasions where those are not available, or on on occasions and on occasions I mean on the spur of the moment. Yeah, exactly. Somebody gets saved. There is a revival that takes place. I find it important. Let's have communion right now to seal this with the fellowship and the celebration of being with Jesus. Okay. Well, we don't have grape juice. We don't have, we don't have bread, but we do have these things, these elements that could stand in place for. Yeah. 
that's kind of how I, I view it. I think it's important to have the elements, but I don't think it is absolutely necessary. And there are occasions where you don't have them. And In those cases, it is not so much those emblems or symbols. It is the, the thought of yeah. what Jesus told us and why Jesus told us to have them. So yeah, I, I, I guess I would say yes and no. There would be two sides to that yeah. equation for me anyways, right? I, I fall on the same. I fall pretty much on the same side as you and we when we did it with pizza and pop it was a spur of the moment thing we didn't plan on doing communion that day but as the youth pastor was speaking he was like i just feel like i got to do communion and we had pizza and we had pop so that's that's what happened so it's like do we regularly plan on doing that no we didn't do it again but it was just like it was just one of those moments. i think it's good to discuss that i think that's an important yeah. important th point to make but um that's all the general questions that i have um <coughs> i think we're going to I think what we're going to do next is put ourselves in the idea you're let's say you're this is your first time coming to a church and you're about to take communion. So it is a Sunday service. Sometimes you have communion at the beginning. Sometimes you have it at the end. I don't think that that matters at all. No. But the pastor all of a sudden says, so as he ends the sermon, he says, we'd like to share together in communion. And I'm just going to ask that, that as the emblems are passed out, uh, I guess you kind of have the emblems as you come in. Yeah, now. depends. But, but yeah. as you do, if we could prepare for communion at this time, maybe we'll sing a song before before we actually participate and partake in the emblems. What is it that I should be doing to prepare for it? Or how do I work in a way so that I don't take the communion in an unworthy manner? And exactly. An unworthy manner is flippant. It is flippant, not considering everything, taking it in a way that you, you know, it could be like those people in Corinth, but it could also be someone who just says, ah, it's just another, just, just another Sunday, it's just <laughs> another thing that I'm doing. I'm not putting my heart into it in any way. It's become such a habit and a routine for me that I don't ever take the, the processes seriously enough to have it affect me. First thing I do is I take an opportunity to thank God. For me, the first process is, God, you died for my sin. Never, ever allow me to get tired of the reality that you saved me from um, sin and a life of sin and where my life would be if it wasn't for you coming in and, um, and changing me. And I'm still in that process. So for me, there, there's the aspect of worship and, and um, re-establishing re what Jesus did for my, for my life. Yeah. That would be the first thing. The second thing that I do is I examine myself. I'll just take some time as I'm worshiping God for what he did. I stop and I say, God, in this time and during this time, can you reveal to me you know, anything that may not be pleasing you. I, I take I take basically an inventory, an inventory of my life. And I say, God, help me to have the right attitude. I know, I know that I have these things in my life. And many times God has already been dealing yeah. with my life with areas that are continually, he's saying, you know what, hey, I love you just the way you are, but what I want to do is I want to mold you into my image. So I'm going to continually be working on you. And so it's the ideal time. And I think that there's something special about communion that allows that type of healing to take place. Yeah. And so I'll take some time to reflect. And then when I then when I, I do that, I realize that I'm looking back forwards and then at the same time I begin to refer to the fact that 
the the aspect of the scripture that says, you know, you'll proclaim his death until he comes. Hmm. I take the backwards and forward route. I said, well, God help me as I go forward to please you hmm. all the rest of my life. So those are kind of three aspects of preparation that I have yeah. when, when that takes place. I don't know if you would add anything to so that. So the first thing that I often do is um, I'm a very visual person, so I'm a very, I shut my eyes. The very first thing that I do when it's communion time is I shut my eyes and I, and I have to really focus on not thinking on anything else because I want to use this time to, to remember. And the, one of the very first things that I do is I will audibly say, and I've had people, <laughs> I had a lady look at me once after church. She was like, loud. And I just audibly say, like, thank you, Jesus, for like your act. Like I, I have to thank him yeah. in that moment because I'm trying to really understand like the weight of it. And sometimes I have to visualize it. And it, this might sound a little gross, but I, I, I visualize what it would have been like to be hanging on a cross. Like I try to really put some weight and severity in to what it, what happened, right? Like I I've studied a lot of history and I know the pain that it would have caused. Right. And I'm not saying that everybody has to go and study the history of how the human body reacts to crucifixion. Um, but for me, that really helps set the weight of it. So I close my eyes and I think about like the actual, action of it because that puts me in the right mindset um and then i thank christ and i thank god in that moment and i say thank you and then i and then i then we then we then we then he does communion um and then i go through the actions and after each time um whether it's i take you know i enjoy the piece of bread i thank then i don't say anything because god often speaks to me in moments like that so in between eating the bread and drinking the juice, I don't say anything. Um, drink the juice, and then I say thank you. That's kind of my process. I have a time after when I'm doing communion. There's one or two things I often try and do. What I often continue with the time of worship. Mm. Thank you, God, for your indescribable gift. It says in, yeah. in 2 Corinthians 9, verse 15. Thank you for your indescribable gift. And there are many times where I will say, you know what? There might be people here who are sick. Or there might be people who are, who are in need. Uh, this is a powerful moment. Yeah. And in this powerful moment, let's take advantage of it by bringing all of our requests before God. Yeah. Honestly, honestly, I wonder within the evangelical church if we do communion justice. Like oftentimes I've sat and said, okay, God, so how do I do this right how do I do this to glorify you in the greatest way? And so I, cause I don't want to, I don't want to, um, prepare and, and display the, um, communion elements in an unworthy way as the pastor. I don't want to be making it a flippant time. You know yeah. what I mean? Yeah. So. If I'm, if I'm preparing to lead or teach communion, my process is a little different. I don't, well, I've always wanted to try it. Maybe I will someday of doing a time of silence during communion. I've always wondered how that would go. But that's what I do personally. Um, yeah, certainly would be appropriate. Yeah, yeah. But so hopefully we have answered um, a few of your questions. And I often think in times like this, as people are listening, and I know that a lot of people have been inviting their friends to listen, and many of those people aren't even aren't even people who have stepped foot in a church. Um, hopefully we have piqued your interest and maybe if you're just at the beginning stage and you haven't really been doing communion a whole lot, me have hopefully answered a few questions. And the next time that you take communion, 
it'll be something that will allow you to take full advantage of a powerful moment. Yeah. And it is a powerful moment because it represents what Jesus did. But it's a powerful moment because, because God says, do this. And when you do this, I will be there. And so if you have any questions uh, regarding communion or even any questions on any of the topics that we have, or maybe you want to write and say, well, listen, have you ever guys ever considered uh, doing something on another topic? Mm -hmm. This is what I would. This is where this is where my world can collides with with my faith. And if I could hear something and get some kind of feedback from you, uh, that would be great. And if and if that is you, uh, you can go to the uh, write an email to forgiven at bethelbrandon.ca. We continually uh, keep that open. We continually read um, all of your responses. And so, um, I want to close. We don't normally close in a word of prayer. No, but let's do it. But I wanted this to be a time where. It will be absorbed. The Holy Spirit will allow this to be absorbed in, in all of our listeners' lives. So uh, we're going to close in a word of prayer, okay, if that's okay. Um, dear Father, you told us um, to continually have a time together where we gather as the body of Christ, and that might be five people, it might be 5,000 people. And you asked us to remember and commemorate and celebrate your death and your resurrection and, and everything that is involved with that, to do it regularly. And I can't help but think that when you ask us to do something, it is important. And there is the potential for you to move and work in our lives. And so God, I just pray for each and every individual that even if it is just a couple of people, they leave this, this podcast with the determination, Father, to utilize every aspect of communion for their growth and for your glory. God, I pray that they will do it. And I just pray, Holy Spirit, that you will speak to every single person here and be with them, Father, where they're at and what they're going through. And uh, Lord, help us, Lord, to be able to continue on uh, this ministry uh, so that we so that you will be glorified in every single way, we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. God bless you. Thanks for listening to this episode of Forgiven. If you want to get in contact with us, please leave a comment down below email us at forgiven at bethelbrandon.ca but if you want to help the show grow the most hit the share button and leave us a review on itunes and spotify thank you so much for listening have a great day